This podcast is for general information only. It is not intended as a substitute for general health care services. If you have medical conditions, you need to see your doctor. Use of this information is at the user's own risk. Welcome to FitRx with Dr. Greg Dennis. Join me as we challenge the standard sick model of healthcare. This is your source for everything health, wellness, prevention, fitness, biohacking, and more. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of FitRx. I'm your host, Dr. Greg Dennis. Uh, I think you're really going to like this episode. I have a very seasoned veteran here to talk about uh, fat loss, Dr. Kate Shanahan. Uh, she's been around this field for a while. She is uh, a leading authority on nutrition and human metabolism. She's a board-certified family physician. Uh, she has written several books, including Deep Nutrition, Food Rules, and The Fat Burn Fix, which is what we're going to talk about today. She has worked with uh, NBA teams, specifically the Los Angeles Lakers, creating uh, their nutrition program. Uh, she is, uh, is a director of metabolic health for ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Just very knowledgeable, so really excited to just pick her brain today. So, uh, Dr. Shanahan, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for inviting me onto your show. Yeah, well, so tell me first, I want to go back, you know, how did you get interested in nutrition? Because they don't teach us that in medical school and, and you know, definitely residency. And I kind of had to figure that out for myself. So take us back, if you will, when you discovered maybe the importance of nutrition and that maybe the nutritional guidelines that we did learn were, were wrong uh, when did that occur for you? Uh, around 2001, when I was sick myself and nothing was making me better. I had a, like a, you know, mysterious illness. I could be on one of those episodes of medical mysteries because um, I, I couldn't walk. I had fevers and stuff and uh, nothing was making me better. I had surgery. Nobody knew what the heck was wrong with me. So um, I, uh, I listened to my husband finally, who had been telling me for years that I was eating too much sugar. And he gave me a book called Spontaneous Healing written by Andrew Weil. And in there, uh, Andrew Weil mentions these essential fatty acids. Like he was saying, oh, you know, we need essential fatty acids, which are polyunsaturated fatty acids. And I was like, huh, what? Like, I didn't really remember any of that. And I had gone to Cornell for biochemistry. And I was like, what is this? Like, there's fats that are good for us. I thought all fats were the same. I so it was like kind of like a little door that got opened in my mind about there's something more here. And um, I dove through the door and bought like another chemistry, biochemistry book and started reading about fat. And, and I realized that like the reason that uh, so much about nutrition that I had learned was seemingly not standing up to the biochemistry of what you would predict that which fats would be good. Like, you know, we learned saturated fat is the unhealthy kind of fat, right? And like in Andrew Weil's book, he was saying that these polyunsaturated fatty acids, they're the healthy kind of fat. But then as I kept looking into it, I was like, wait a second though, but um, the polyunsaturated fatty acids are unstable. They do some nasty things like polymerize. They make floor varnish in Hawaii, where I was living at the time, they didn't eat them. They used them to tan leather, you know, so because it creates a nice lacquer on the surface. And so 
like the biochemistry of it just wasn't adding up to like, these things are, are the good things. And then I was learning that saturated fat was resistant to this process of aging called oxidation and saturated fats resistant to that. And then I, and I learned, well, gosh, people didn't used to eat these, you know, polyunsaturated fatty acids. Those, are, those only exist really in factory made seed oils to any degree, like to a high degree. And, you know, there are a few nuts and seeds like that and fish and stuff, but we didn't eat, didn't just eat the stuff. We used to eat like, like tons of animal fat and saturated fat. We were like saturated fat, monounsaturated fat. That was most of our diet, a tiny fraction was these seed oils. And we were eating a lot, a lot of seed oils. I found out, like I started looking at like the, the consumption data. I was like, how much are we eating? How much were we eating? It just wasn't adding up. So around the, you know, over the course of about two years, I became convinced that um, I needed to know more about nutrition. And um, I started writing a book in 2002. I was just going to be about, you know, don't eat seed oils, don't eat sugar and flour. It's going to be called the amazing and simple diet. But then I started having these conversations with my husband who was really into cooking and food. And uh, we were watching um, cooking and food shows. (laughs) And we were living in Hawaii where people eat very different. Like we were living in the south side of the island of Kauai, which at the time was totally Filipino territory. And if you know anything about Filipino cooking, uh, they raise their own pigs. They raise their own goats. They don't waste anything. They love every part of everything. They make goat head things and stuff out of hooves. And so, so that was another part of the like message that I was getting that there's a lot I didn't learn. And um, I was just fascinated with it. Like, how, how is it that I was, I had such a tiny vision of the real world of nutrition, you know, like it was just protein, carbohydrate, fat, uh, don't eat too much fat, especially not saturated fat, calories, a few vitamins. You can teach everything that doctors learn about nutrition, everything this that dietitians learn about nutrition, you can teach all of that in a weekend, you know, there's not much there. And, and then there was all this other stuff that people were doing in Hawaii. And I was living in Hawaii. And I had, I had like, this unique opportunity because of that. Because in Hawaii, Hawaii actually is the state where people live longer than any other state by years by years, right? So we have 50 states, the front runner, is Hawaii. The average age was like 83. The second runner up was Minnesota. The average age was 81. And then like the next 20, we're all within a few like 81 and minus two weeks, you know, 80, you know what I mean? So we were the front runner by far. And we were eating the, the Filipinos, not me, the Filipino folks and the, the, uh, the other people who um, had come from all over the world. Why is a melting pot of Asia and a lot of like the seafaring Europeans, you know, Portuguese, Portugal um, and uh, uh, Germany, um, people who are good on boats ended up in Hawaii. And uh, they were just such a traditionalist way of eating. They so into traditional food. They didn't want to eat like you know, they, they were cool on spam, <laughs> but other than spam, they didn't really want our like American stuff, right? They didn't really have any kind of interest in it. They were really 
totally a throwback. So it was a window to 100 years ago. And not only was the cuisine different, my patients were different. And uh, they were healthy. Like people who were 65 were able to, they were like more healthy, more robust, able to do more physical labor than people who were in their 20s who didn't grow up eating the, the traditional sort of stuff. So all of that together was just like a big, wow. <laughs> I think we really messed up nutrition. I think everything I learned about nutrition in medical school was wrong and dangerously wrong. Like, like not just like, oh, well, you won't be optimized, right? No, you're going to be sick. And I was sick. And when I changed my way of eating, I got better and nothing else, you know, fixed me. But then I could hike and bike and swim and do all the things that I kind of wanted to do on Hawaii. That's why I went there. So um, it radically changed my life to radically change my diet. I started drinking raw milk. I had to ship it in from California. I gave up on refined flours and carbs, refined. Like I still ate like wild rice and beans and still had carbs. It wasn't like a keto thing. Keto wasn't a thing back then. Mm-hmm. Paleo, this was before paleo. Like this was before everything. <laughs> and um, the, uh, so I, I just started feeling better. And then I was like, okay, well, my patients gotta, gotta know about this, right? Like the folks who weren't so interested in that, you know, the, the under 65s, a lot of them, uh, they were kind of, they had grown up more on the spam and the processed food and the, well, we didn't have McDonald's, I don't think, but we had like the more, you know, junk food sort of style of fast convenience eating. They'd gotten away from tradition and they had gotten sicker. So it was like, I was seeing the collapse of human health within a few generations. And I, and then it just everywhere around me, I was like, the same thing's happening everywhere. It's happening in my own family. My grandmother lived to be 103. She survived COVID. She survived the <laughs> Spanish flu. She survived the Spanish flu. I mean, she, she was a beast. <laughs> and, um, and everyone in the younger generation, all of us either needed glasses or braces. Our physiology has changed and we're not as healthy. Like, I don't think I'm going to live to 103. I got connective tissue issues. That was part of what my problem was. All of us have health issues in my generation and I'm older than like the younger, like my sister has kids, they, they have worse. So it's just like, there's this collapse. It's a profound thing that's happening. So I couldn't just write like a short little book about, um, oh, okay, so stop eating the amazing and simple diet. Well, it didn't seem like it was gonna really capture the profoundness of what was what I was seeing and the profoundness of the dietary change and what we are on the verge of losing, you know, human health. Okay. And so, so was your first book, was that deep nutrition? Was that, is that what it ended up yeah, becoming? Okay. And that was actually first released in 2008. And so that was re-released in 2017. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Kind of updated and coolified and expanded. Okay. Uh, and then most recently you wrote the fat burn fix. That's the most recent, correct? Yes. Okay, so um, so let's get into that a little bit today. And I kind of made some notes here, and I found it interesting. You you start off by saying what broke the fat burn. In other words, why did we quit losing fat? Because you say that the carbs really haven't changed much, but that the saturated fats have gone down, and of course, an increase in, in vegetable oils. So, uh, I mean, you alluded to that a little bit, but talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because fat burn is a concept that no one else is talking about. And so I, I um, fat burn refers to the ability 
to burn your body fat, distinguishing that from burning fat in food that you just ate. And um, when if you can't burn your body fat easily enough, there's already a term for that. Uh, that's called metabolic inflexibility. So if you've heard of metabolic flexibility, uh, the opposite of that is metabolic inflexibility. And, and it's not just talking about burning carbohydrates versus fat. It's talking really truly about burning carbohydrates from your last meal or whatever was in your last meal, and then easily switching into burning your body fat. And what I discovered after understanding how vegetable oils build up in our body fat and affect our metabolism was that people were gaining weight because they weren't able to burn their own body fat anymore because of what was going on with all the, the, uh, the polyunsaturates in the body fat from all the seed oils and all this toxic factory fat that we've been eating and how that damages your metabolism and makes weight loss basically uh, inevitable almost. Like very few people now um, can maintain a normal weight. That's why we have a minority of people who are now more normal weight, minority, right? Right, right, right. Uh, you know, I was, I grew up in the seventies. We did not have a fat kid in school. Not one. Yeah. No, I don't it's, know. It's, I don't know about what your situation was growing up, but, but there was like, if you saw somebody who was overweight, it was like, wow, that's really interesting because <laughs> right. you just, you never saw it. Right. So, so you're saying it's, it's due more to this increase in, in vegetable oils, which are obviously found in, in processed foods. More, okay. more so than any other single factor. Now, it, the carbohydrates and sweets, particularly sugar, play a huge role because those have, uh, they, they kind of become the go-to energy source. When you can't burn your body fat and your body needs energy quickly, you're going to be craving sugar and flour, foods that are in these uh, carbohydrates that are highly refined, because that gives you that boost of energy that that you need or your cells start to die in six seconds. So it's an emergency. So that's why people are gaining weight. Um, it's, it's really a important, it's a simple concept, I think, but it's important. And, and so you, you kind of start off the book in part one about a, a achieve your true potential health. Um, and you talk about the fat burn or the fat burning advantage. Um, and, and so again, I think you kind of alluded to that, but, but elaborate on that a little bit. Um, more, if you will, about the fat burn ad, uh, advantage. So if you can burn your body fat, if your body fat isn't full of PUFA, you can burn your body fat and you can have energy on demand. Like you don't have to be tied to snacks. You don't get hypoglycemia symptoms. You don't get brain fog. You don't get hangry. And I have come to realize over the past five years, basically since leaving Hawaii, uh, that um, people are struggling with their weight because their appetite is totally addicted to these refined sugars and carbs because of the, that's the source of quick energy because they can't get energy from their body fat quickly on demand. So it's, it's going from that, like from that state where many people are now, like um, even thin people, I mean, you don't have to be overweight to have this issue. It's about the, the fats in your body fat. It's not a, about how much body fat you have. So I talk to lots of thin people who, oh yeah, I get hypoglycemia, I get hangry. And my doctor said, just eat 
back on something and that doesn't help at all because the problem is your body fat the problem is that your body fat is making you need more sugar than your bloodstream was designed to safe carry so i don't know um dr dennis if you like ever diagnose people with hypoglycemia um because they get hungry between meals but um that is so common. Like, I don't know if you ask people about that, but that is so common that they get hungry between meals or, or if they eat lunch a little bit late, they fall apart. And, and that's a huge part of why people end up overeating because they're, they, you don't, you can't resist the donuts or the junk food in the, in the um, food machine. It's called the vending machine. <laughs> um, you know, you can't resist when your body is starving for energy. So that's what the concept of fat burn to help people understand you need to be able to burn your body fat. And when you can burn your body fat, when you have that metabolic flexibility, you lose all that desperate hunger and you, you don't, you have, you finally have control over what you eat. There's no hope for having control over what you eat. I mean, no amount of willpower can sustain uh, the drive for energy. When your brain is energy is crashing, you're going to be what uh, somebody described as like a zombie eater. Or like I'm just going to eat anything. I'm going to eat anything and everything until I feel better. And that's not something that you should ignore. Like you shouldn't ignore that. You've got a problem. You've got an an energy emergency. And we now know that those kinds of energy emergencies are are associated with tiny strokes. Right. Like we've found that people who have tiny strokes um, are actually experiencing blood flow problems. OK, so in the book, you, you go into more detail about metabolic flexibility and all that. But for sake of time, um, I want to jump to uh, um, how to fix this, because I think that's really what people want to know is how can they get to the point where they become more metabolically flexible uh, and, and get to the point where they can burn their own fat. And so uh, you have a whole uh, kind of a part three in your book of the fat burn fix plan. And you mention five rules to fix your fat burn. So, so let's just kind of talk about what people can do to fix this. Yeah. So the first thing that they need to do is they need to assess how well they burn their body fat. Because if you can't burn your body fat, then trying to lose weight and actually you know, watching those pounds go down could be something that makes you feel bad. And that will make you fail whatever diet you're following. And that can be very disheartening. Um, so you need to know where you're at. And if you truly can't burn your body fat, then you need to focus on stopping snacking first. And when you do that, of course you do, many people do lose some weight, but the, the technique to be able to stop snacking, I don't tell people to stop snacking and, you know, power through your hypoglycemia, that's dangerous. Um, I, I tell people, uh, let's, here's how you build a meal that will sustain your energy. So you don't feel that drive to snack. And then I have like the, in the uh, plan I have, here's how 
you're going to take like this kind of, if you used to eat sandwiches, here's what you should have instead. If you used to eat power bars, here's what you should have instead. If you used to go out to eat, here's what you should have instead. So I, I try to help people create new breakfasts and lunches, especially that sustain their energy so they don't have to snack. So I have a lot more recipes for breakfast and lunch because most people don't, uh, you know, many people don't eat breakfast and lunch. They just live on snack food, which is horrible. Snack food is just totally processed. And they think it's okay because the snack food says low cholesterol, low salt, whatever. So therefore it's healthy, right? Mm -hmm. But none of that is actually a reflection of the nutritional value of it. In fact, usually it means there's less nutrition if it's low in things. Um, so eating processed food for breakfast and you know lunch and snacks and grazing all day, um, is a huge epidemic. That's just, I find that most people are doing that. And, uh, that's a habit that is unsustainable in terms of just health. You're, you're just going to get sick if you're eating processed food for, so I spent a lot of time teaching people how to make fast breakfasts and fast lunches in the fat burn fix out of real food with the kinds of fats that'll sustain their energy and the kind of carbohydrate that'll sustain their energy. So for example, eggs, a great fat, very satiating too, because of cholesterol. Uh, butter, um, if you're gonna make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, just use maybe one slice of bread, try to use sprouted green bread because it's not refined, it's not made of flour. So it's not gonna bump your blood sugar. Um, and use peanut butter that doesn't have seed oils in it, which can be hard to find. So you have to look, you have to look. If you have a peanut butter in your house right now, chances are good, it's got some kind of weird oil in it. Um, so you wanna get natural peanut butter. And then instead of jelly, you can use like relatively healthy jelly or what I recommend all the time is just putting some butter on there under that peanut butter because it tastes really good butter. Um, butter and peanut butter is actually really pretty tasty. And then maybe sprinkle the whole thing with a little cinnamon, right? So like, I'm just like, Here's a fast, easy meal that like a six-year-old can make. So you can make it even if you don't know how to cook and um, tastes great. Okay. So I spent gonna, a lot of time talking about that. I'm going to go back to something you said. So you, you said first patients need to be aware if they can burn their own fat. Um, right. Now we, as I'm sure you probably do too, we do a lot of labs. We get fasting insulin levels and, you know, things like that. Um, and a lot of times in these obese people, they, those are elevated. Um, but other than maybe having some hypoglycemic episodes, if they don't eat, as you mentioned, what are some ways for people to know if they can't burn their own fat? Well, what you just said, the hypoglycemia symptoms, those are extremely important. They are the best test that there is. Actually, better than a metabolic heart because there's all kinds of flaws in that. You know, it doesn't distinguish between burning protein, for example, and burning fat. But um, you know, like the lumen device. Mm -hmm. that. So that doesn't distinguish between burning protein and burning carbs very well. Mm -hmm. um, the only test right now is to get familiar with the eleven symptoms that I describe in, in the Fabron Fix that are hypoglycemia symptoms. And, um, and you need to know what they are and if you're having them. And I also teach people, so for example, like one of these symptoms is having a headache, right? Now headaches are common for all kinds of reasons. The key to understanding whether it's not, whether what's causing it, if it's related to being unable to burn your body fat is 
well, do you get headaches when you need to eat something? And are they prevented by making sure that you always eat something at a certain time? Another one is like dizziness and shakiness, right? Or anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. Even anxiety is simple. Well, people can have anxiety um, disorders, right? But you can also just be anxious because your blood sugar is plummeting and your body's pumping out a bunch of adrenaline and that makes you anxious. And if eating something prevents or treats the anxiety attack, then you're not burning your body fat. So that's why I have like a whole chapter devoted to helping people understand on a daily minute to minute basis, they can decide, they can, de- they can determine without doing any expensive tests, uh, whether or not they're burning their own body fat. And that is the most accurate test that there is, but you have to read it carefully and you have to pay attention to how are you feeling and make sure that you tie it to uh, tie these symptoms to like when you have missed a meal, you know, when it's been a busy day and you've been running, 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 do you have these symptoms then? And are they preventable by having a meal that's more sustaining where you have more fats in the meal or are they treatable when you eat something that means you're not burning your body fat the way you should. Okay. So you talked about kind of as a first step, uh, eliminating, eliminating snacks or maybe changing to healthier snacks. Um, you know, we talked a little bit at the beginning about more whole or saturated fats. I mean, are you an advocate of the keto diet? And because we talk a lot about that as a way to get their bodies, you know, to, to learn how to burn their own fat. So yeah, the keto body uh, diet can be great, but if you're not warning folks about the, avoiding the seed oils, <clears throat> it's, mm. it's not going to, be very helpful. So, you know, most people fortunately go are, are, are looking for things that are like high in butter and high in cheese and stuff, but you have to watch the mayonnaise. You can't just be eating mm-hmm. deep fried, you know, uh, KFC, mm-hmm. right? right? You right. have to know what fat is your, what type of fat you're eating. Cause if you're just eating more PUFAs, then you can be in ketosis, but you're, <clears throat> you're going to be metabolically still going downhill. Mm-hmm. There was a rat study that showed that they gave rats a high fat diet, got them into ketosis. They had plenty of ketones in their bloodstream, but they got sick. And this is one of the studies that the people who are against the keto diet use to say, look, mm. keto diet is unhealthy. Well, the type of fat matters. Mm. So I, I, I like, I mean, the keto diet is a fad. It's a great fad, but it's not um, getting to the point right? It's, it's almost like a shortcut. I've been recommending it a lot because now that it's so popular, you can find keto friendly recipes Mm -hmm. very easily and people can follow it very easily. So it's almost like a shortcut to getting a little more healthy fats, but in and of itself, it's not the answer, right? It's not the end all be all answer. And you can use the keto diet, but you have to understand the bigger picture of what's really wrong with your metabolism. What, what can, how do you mess up the keto diet? And honestly, do you even need the keto diet? Because you can do other things that get you into ketosis that are, give you more variety in your diet. So um, I do actually in the fat burn fix, I say using the keto diet is one way to accelerate your weight loss. But if it's boring for you, then there's another way (laughs) and you could just do that instead. And um, so, and I lay all that out as well. And that has to do with having carbohydrates that are more energy sustaining and um, doing more on the um, 
intermittent fasting style thing, which is um, back when I was a kid, we used to just call that not eating lunch, <laughs> but now I call it intermittent fasting and they make it all complicated. <laughs> you know, oh, you have to have this window and uh, you get all these autophagy benefits and all this blah, blah, bro science stuff. Right. I mean, some of it's true. Most of it's just like to sell the principle. But the point is, if you can skip a meal, then you're most likely able to burn your body fat. And that's mm -hmm. a great way to accelerate your weight loss. But if you feel bad when you try to skip a meal, if you feel like, okay, I skipped a meal, but boy, I really need to eat something right now. You're not burning your body fat easily enough to make weight loss your primary focus at the moment. You still need to have that metabolic rehab happen. <clears throat> and, and, you know, you can lose weight, but it's, it's not going to be a pound, you know, a week that uh, I think is too fast for people who have a lot of metabolic damage. Okay. Um, and so what, and, and that may have been, we may have covered everything in that explanation, but, but what are the five rules to fix your fat burn? Can you list those out for us? Yeah. So one is you've got to swap out the bad fats for good. Okay. <laughs> um, the second one is don't eat refined carbs, eat the slower digesting carbs. So, you know, beans, the slow digesting um, instead of uh, rice, right? Simple like that. Um, the third one I believe is seek salt, uh, because it's a myth that salt causes hypertension. I don't know where you sit on that spectrum now, but that was like one of the things I had to like solidify. That was definitely, you know, one of those myths that doctors learn. And the other ones drink water instead of like soda and instead of like a healthy snack. In the metabolic rehab, you have kind of the baby steps and then the accelerated plan. What is the accelerated plan or did you already cover most of that? Well, yeah. So um, those are two very, very important distinctions. The baby steps is really mostly about not snacking. So building okay. meals that help you not have to graze, that help you not have to reach for that junk food and planning meals, which is a major habit shift for a surprising number of people. A lot of people are just like, <laughs> they'll, they'll tell you they eat healthy when they eat meals, but most of the time they're not eating meals. And so they're not eating healthy. Um, so uh, that's a huge like segment. And then, so once you kind of master that, then you're ready for the accelerated phase. You're, you, the baby steps are mastering the art of making fast, simple meals, not relying on snacks, just eating food again. And then the accelerated phase is now we can focus on weight loss, but you have to feel good when you don't eat. You're really ready to focus on weight loss and you can lose weight quickly. Then we can get you to that pound a week if you wanted to, which I still don't think is really necessary. But I mean, I, I don't think it's a great idea to, to focus on weight. I think it's really important to focus on how you feel, your overall health, what you're eating. I think the number on the scale can be a... Um, a devil sometimes and people can be doing all the right things but the number on the scale isn't going down and give up and i don't like that so that's why i like to help people really pay attention to how are you feeling because when you're doing all the right things you're going to feel good and that's the most important thing so on my website i even have like a free quiz to download and figure out how well are you burning your body fat that's going to teach you to start paying attention to the things that matter about how do you feel. 
but that the accelerated phase is let's assume that you feel great. You know, you skip lunch and you have not the first iota of hunger. In fact, when you're really in ketosis in a meaningful way, you are going to feel better when you go eight, nine, 10 hours without eating than you do just after four hours without eating. What would you say is the biggest um, hurdle with people who may even, uh, you know, they're on board with this and then they, they lose some weight and, and either gain it back or maybe they hit a sticking point and, and just can't lose anymore. What is the most common hurdle that you see that people just have to get over to either continue in their weight loss journey or sustain it? The biggest hurdle is that they are not metabolically healthy and they just get so hungry they can't do they can't take just a few minutes to make a sandwich they're just so desperate they're like i gotta grab whatever's in the cupboard i'm just gonna grab some junk food or i gotta drive through oh the only place on my way home is the dairy queen (laughs) you know like that's really the biggest hurdle is um that is their metabolism and here's how they but here's how they think about it they don't realize that's what's happening they say oh i just didn't have time and my question to them is always like what do you mean you didn't have time? You had time to eat. How do you not have time? (laughs) How do you have time to not do something? Like, how do you not have time to not do something, right? It should be less time consuming to not eat. So why didn't you just do that? And they're like, well, because I was so hungry. And so that helps them realize that, oh, their metabolism is still a problem. And, um, and that's, where they, uh, they just need to be like, okay, well, I need to come up with something. You know, we, we start doing the troubleshooting. How come you got in this situation? And just basic like coaching at that point, but we're focusing on, on, on a little bit more, like a little bit different than your standard weight loss coaching. Um, you know, it's like more bigger picture of like culinary habits and like, do you know how to, um, do you know 20 ways to cook an egg that you like? Because <laughs> eggs are fast. Mm-hmm. Right? That's why eggs are such a great go-to thing. And you see them all over keto, fast keto recipes. Eggs don't take long to cook. Unlike mm-hmm. a, uh, you know, uh, what, ribs or something like that. You know, to mm-hmm. slow cook those, that takes planning ahead. So, and we just have those conversations. So they just need to continually build up a repertoire of stuff. And then they get bored. That's another thing where like all the things that I know how to do, I only know five of them. So I'm bored of them. Well, that's when it's time to come back and we learn some more. Okay. So give us, if you will, so you've been, you know, kind of studying nutrition for a long time, as you alluded to in the intro. So tell us maybe Dr. Kate's daily regimen on what you eat and then maybe what your day looks like as far as exercise and nutrition. Sure. So I keep it really simple. I just, I love milk with cream, like creamy milk, grass-fed milk. So um, I can get some raw grass-fed milk, uh, tastes really creamy and delicious. And I have that with cold brew coffee. So it's basically like I have a milkshake for breakfast. And then I spend all day um, seeing patients and or in front of my computer studying. Um, and I take short little breaks to do little exercise videos. Um, you know, for like 10, 15, 20 minutes, uh, multiple times during the day, I have a stand up, sit down <laughs> desk here. So, um, and then I'll have a big massive dinner cause I don't eat lunch. Okay. Um, so, so you, other than the milk, you don't really eat much in the morning either. You skip lunch, so you don't eat much during the day. And then, so you're basically eating one big meal a day. 
Yeah, yeah. So the, the milk and cream has a good amount of cream in this. So there's a good amount. It could be four, 500 calories there. But then okay. I only have a calorie budget of around 15, 1600 calories because I don't do that much ex- activity. Okay. And, uh, you know, I'm small a person. <laughs> I'm not six foot five. Um, so my dinner has maybe like around a thousand calories. Okay. Which that's, I mean, that's quite a bit for, for one meal. So what does a, what does a typical dinner look like for you? Well, last night we had uh, kale and chorizo soup with uh, homemade bone stock in it and tortillas, like corn masa tortillas with some cheese. It was really good. And I had a whole lot of that, uh, like two bowls of that. And then I had for dessert, I have weird desserts. I have, um, so I really love cottage cheese. Mm. So I just get cottage cheese and I put some special things on it. Like I have candy ginger and I put vanilla on that and um, uh, some nuts. And it, to me, that's like cake. <laughs> okay. uh, and then I have like for uh, a, another treat, I have kombucha, which is a sweet, bubbly, fruity drink, but it's naturally fermented. So it doesn't have as much sugar anymore because it's been fermented and it has lots of B vitamins because it's been fermented. And uh, speaking of fermentation, I also, for veggies yesterday, I just had kimchi. Uh, I had that before dinner. And I swear that stuff, it keeps me from getting colds and flus. If I have that every day, I knock on wood, <laughs> I don't get sick. Okay. Uh, well, very nice. Well, uh, I guess as we wrap up here, um, I always ask my guests if they could give us one health tip that could make us healthier today. What would you say to that? I would say that you want to believe in whatever it is you're doing. Like it has to profoundly make sense the way a religion makes sense so that nothing can shake you because there's so many people out there that are trying to knock you off of your, you know, pedestal of doing the right thing because they got something, you know, quick and easier that sounds good. Uh, They want to sell to you. So you can believe what you're doing. All right. Very good. Uh, so your website is Dr. Kate with a C, uh, C-A-T-E, drkate.com. Um, and so they can find, I'm assuming, more about you and your programs and what all you offer there. Uh, and then also your books are probably there. Um, I'm assuming they can also get your books on Amazon. Yes. Um, so the one we've been talking about and, and we didn't even scratch the surface. So I'd encourage people <laughs> to go get the book, The Fat Burn Fix. And then you also have the books Deep Nutrition and Food Rules. Um, any other way to get a hold of you? I mean, are you on Instagram, anything like that? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. It's all through my website, though, like okay. the Instagram and the Twitter and the Facebook and stuff like that. But I, I'm not a great social media person. I'm What I'm really working on right now, like I get my head in these projects and I really can't focus on social media at the same time. So I'm that yeah. I don't know, I'm always doing a product project. So like I never <laughs> I'm on social media, but I'm working on a, a weight loss course that puts all of this together and kind of spoon feeds it to you and, and walks you through it by hand. So starting from here's what you need to do to start with. Here's how you build a community. Here's how you detox your kitchen. Here's what you need to cook. Here's what you need to shop for. So look for that and sign up to my website, be, uh, you know, subscribe to my website because I hardly bother you about anything, but I will be um, making a lot of noise when that thing's finally available. Okay. Okay. Very nice. Uh, and did I remember when I first uh, reached out to you, are you starting your own podcast or do, are you doing the podcast? Yeah, that's the idea. That's okay. And, and, and what, when will that be launching? Uh, hopefully, I don't know, like the first part of the year, but, um, okay. yeah, hopefully soon. <laughs> and, and, and what's that going to be called? 
uh, probably think just deep nutrition because okay. that's uh, the name of my first book and it's a, it's a philosophy. So could okay. talk about it all day. Everything. All right. <laughs> Very good. Um, so be uh, looking for that. Well, okay. Um, well, uh, Dr. Uh, Kate Shanahan, um, really appreciate your time and expertise on this. Again, I encourage people to uh, check out her website, get the book, and um, appreciate everybody listening. And we will uh, talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to FitRx. I invite you to share this with friends and family. If you would like, you can check out our website at vibrantlifedc.com. Or you can email me at drgreg at vibrantlifedc.com.